Father. Thank you, Lord God, for that precious prayer, Father God. I thank you, Lord God, that your ears are open to the righteous. Amen. And I thank you for hearing our prayers in this hour, Father God. And I thank you for your word that's going forward, Father God. Father, and I pray, Lord God, that life will be released, Father, out of my spirit, man, as I bring forth your word, Father. Thank you for those that are partaking and those that will partake in the future, Father God. We bless you and we love you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, that reminded me of that scripture in Isaiah that talks about, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established. You know, that place where we get established in the Lord, that's what the world needs. You see, they need us to be mature, right, and grown up so that we can help this world. And uh, eventually, when they see see the Lord and see his house established, in other words, the government of God ruling in the house, the house, the house. The government of God is always on three levels. Your individual life, your house, your domestics, and then the, the body of Christ, the house of God. And, uh, and so anyway, when it's established, then there's order. Then that's when we're going to see uh, things happen as far as, as, as the work of God getting done in the people's lives. But... Yesterday, I was uh, talking to one of the brothers, and he says, you know, what do I need to do to, um, to, uh, to, to learn this word of God, you know, where it's part of my life, you know, where I can quote these scriptures and whatnot. I said, well, it's all about association, right? Whatever you associate with, that's what you're going to become a part of, right? If I start, you know, coming over your house and, and hanging out with you guys and watching your children and, you know, experiencing you guys and your you experience my family, then we begin to know one another, right? Because we associate with one another. And so anyway, um, I was just telling him, you know, it's all about the time you spend with God, you know. And uh, anyway, you know, like I said, the more we get established in the Lord, I mean, the more it's going to draw the people, amen? Because as Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, right? And if you look in the book of Acts, there's a couple of times where it talks about and the word of God was exalted and the, and the church multiplied and grew because of God's word. Amen. And the people, uh, I mean, rejoiced, obviously, because the law of God was getting preached, amen, in the house of God. And there was the, the work of God was getting done in all these lives of these people back in the book of Acts and so on. But uh, so I woke up on Saturday, this past Saturday, and it was early in the morning. And I was thinking about the statement, you know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, you know. And I, and I also was thinking about the process of growing up in the kingdom of God and how does this, how does this, and how this is for our lives in the kingdom. In other words, why, why did he tell them, why did John the Baptist, for example, come and tell them, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? And, uh, and what was, what was the purpose of that? Well, if we read in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, uh, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right? And then it talks about in verse 3 there that this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make its paths straight. And I was meditating on that, make his path straight, right? So when you're planting a field of corn or wheat or whatever, you make the rows straight, right? Mm, yeah. You make them straight so that way when you plant the seed and then it comes time to harvest, you, you have a process for how you do all that. And if you were just to throw the seed everywhere where everything is growing next to each other, it wouldn't make much sense, right? Yeah. 
So he says here, prepare you the way the Lord, make his path straight. In other words, get your heart ready, as John the Baptist was telling us, to get ready to receive the Lord because he's coming, right? He said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness is talking about John the Baptist was crying in the wilderness, and he was telling the people, prepare and make your path straight. So again, what, what was the purpose of that? Well, like I said, they, they needed to get ready for the Lord, amen, because he was going to come, he was going to bring his word, he was going to teach them of his ways, amen, he was going to bring deliverance to them, and those that didn't have any faith, he was going to teach them, amen. Now, one thing we have to understand about John the Baptist is that he was before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? And, and it were, in verse 6, it says, And we're baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Right? And, and so they were confessing, which is the word homologia, to acknowledge or to agree fully with what, what, what it was being preached of. So John the Baptist was before Jesus Christ, and John the Baptist's ministry was confess your sins. Right? So after the, after the resurrection, though, it says in Luke 10, or Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So one was telling them to confess your sins, right? The other one, after Jesus is dead, confess Jesus. So we have two sides here. Y'all see that? And that, so, so what I'm saying is, is that in the religious system, they tell the people when they accept Jesus Christ to repent of their sins. That's not what the word says. They repent and confess the Lord Jesus. You see, that's different than me sitting there telling someone or confessing before the Father, Father, I did this and I did that. He already knows everything you've done in your life before you met him, right? Because what else can we operate from if we're under the, if we're under the bondage of Satan and the elements of this world, and if we're being dictated by our base nature, which is sin nature, right? What else can we expect except you sin? Your mind is different. The way you think, you're dishonest, you're lying, you're cheating, you're stealing, you manipulate, right? And, and, and so therefore, that's the only thing you can expect of someone that hasn't been born again. But after they confess the Lord Jesus, their life starts manifesting fruit that's a result of their relationship with Jesus Christ. So, uh, again, when you, when you confess the Lord Jesus, you're assenting to the finished work of the Lord in, of the cross, in other words, what he did. And you acknowledge the covenant that has been cut. In other words, the agreement now that you have with the Father through Jesus Christ. Amen. And then you accept and agree with the work that has been accomplished in Jesus Christ and acknowledge Jesus as Lord of my life. You know, when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, it wasn't just uh it wasn't just a revelation of the fact that he is the Lord Jesus Christ. It was it was a revelation. The Bible says, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. Right? Yeah. So the Father God is what revealed this to, uh, to Peter by the Spirit. And so it's the same thing for us. When you start finally realizing that the Lord of our lives is Jesus Christ, not just the Savior, well, you're starting to get a revelation of the kingdom of God. Now, when we're in agreement with the covenant that God has made with us through Jesus Christ, then you agree to that, whatever that word says about you. And the Bible says that we're forgiven in Jesus Christ. We're healed in Jesus Christ. We're set free in Jesus Christ. And that you're no longer under the, the dominion of Jesus Christ. And that you're no longer uh, under the dominion of Satan. 
You're under the dominion of Jesus, no longer under the dominion of Satan. And you've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son, as it says in Colossians 1.13. Now, the thing about the kingdom of God is that the Bible teaches us that you must repent and throw out everything you thought or think you knew about the kingdom of God because what we have received up until now has all been from idols. If you haven't heard this message of the gospel of the kingdom, then everything that you've listened to up to that point is, is questionable. And everything that you believe is questionable. Does it line up with the word of God? In 1 Corinthians 12, 2, it says that you know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols even as you were led. Paul was telling them here in 1 1 of 1 Corinthians that concerning spirituals, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now in the King James, it says that now concerning spiritual gifts, but the word gifts is not a part of the original text. So we need to understand what Paul was saying there. And he told them that everything that you've received up to this point, you've been listening to dumb idols. You see? Now the Bible teaches us that, that God teaches us line upon line. And those who are ready to move past the milk will begin the process of line upon line. So when you're a babe in the Lord, man, you know, the, the Bible says that we're still, still subject to the elementary, uh, uh, the element, the elements of the world. In other words, we're still in a lot of bondage in our lives when we just get born again. And until until you come to that place where, like I said, you see that Jesus Christ is our Lord, and you start acting on His Word based on your faith toward God or what who Jesus is in our lives. But as you start coming out of that babe mentality in your life, you start growing up. Now He begins to add onto your life line upon line. Precept upon precept, as it says in Isaiah 28, start on verse 9. It says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? So the brother asked me the other day, How do I get to a place, you know, where where, where I can quote this word and stuff? I said, Well, you gotta get you gotta get under the teaching. You've got to listen to the teachings. You gotta get under it and get it in your spirit, man. And keep meditating on that word and those scriptures get talked about and stuff. Meditate on that stuff. And as the scripture says here in Isaiah 28, 9, whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. So when a baby's weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, that means he's no longer drinking milk anymore. Now he's starting to eat solid foods, you see? And that's the, that's the concept that's being built here is that now you're moving on, ready to get into more meatier things in your life, more serious things in your life. And then he says, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. And it's interesting, when you look at the Hebrew on that word stammering, it means the lips of a foreigner. In other words, you know, every person, including a person that's a Jewish person by blood, has to accept Jesus Christ to get born again. Yeah. Right? And now the Bible teaches us here in 2811 here that God is going to begin to teach them what they didn't receive when Jesus came, now they got to get retrained again and retaught again these principles in this kingdom, in this kingdom of God, and learn about this government of God and so on and so on and so on. So and then he says to whom he said, "This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest." And when you're weary, that means you're tired, right? You're, you're, you're struggling, man. And so he says, "This is the rest wherewith you will cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing." Yet they would not hear. You see, the body of Christ, you know, like Brother was saying, Brother Coffee here, 
Because a lot of them think that they're already grown up. And they don't need anybody to tell them anything. Well, that's a bad place to be at because you're going to soon find out. And I was reading some scriptures today in, in Romans chapter 8. I want to read some of this to you from the Message Translation Board. And I was reading this, you know, because I was, I'm ministering this to my son today. And I was sitting talking to him through text. And then I called him. I said, I want you to read the scripture, right? And in, in, the, in the King James, it says, For there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but who walk after the Spirit. So if you're experiencing condemnation in your life, well, what is that saying? That means you're not walking in the Spirit, right? That means you're, you're walking according to your own view and your own perception, right? So when you're filtering your life based on what you think and what others in this world think, you got a wrong perception. You need to be filtering it according to what God's Word says. And God says according to his word, that you are righteous. Right? Amen. We're the righteousness of God. So here's what it says here um, in, in the uh, message. Listen to this. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under continuous, continuous low-lying black cloud. Right? When people are walking around in condemnation, they don't look happy. They don't look like they have any joy. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit, living after the Spirit, in other words, is not being manifest in their lives. They're not living after the Spirit, in other words. And then he says, a new power is in operation. The Spirit life of Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. The way he says that brutal tyranny of the hands of sin and death, that's what it is, man. You're, you're, you're walking around in condemnation, right? Because you've lost focus of what the Word of God says about you, and now you're looking at yourself the way the world sees you, or what somebody said to you, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too tall, your hair looks ridiculous, or whatever. You never know how the enemy triggers that stuff and how he brings it into our minds. And then he says, verse 5, listen to this one. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle. You see, they're always comparing and measuring themselves by themselves because their standard is themselves or the world, right? They're not looking at the standard, which is what we should be measuring our lives, the canon, which is the word of God. They're looking at themselves, and as he says here, those who think they can do it on their own end up end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle but never get around to exercising it in real life. And those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. You know, when someone is walking around in, in the joy of God and, in the, and, the, and the peace of God on their lives, you can see it on their lives. You know, they're, they're smiling, they're having fun. You know, they're glad to see the, the body of Christ. They're glad to see the brothers and sisters and so on. But when someone isolates themselves and they don't want to be around people, you see what I'm saying? They're living in that gloominess. There's a problem there, you know? And that's why, you know, God is raising us up to be strong and mature in this word of God so we can pick that stuff off and go to that brother and sister, hey, man, how you doing? And bring that joy of the Lord to them. Bring that life of the Spirit to them, amen? Bring them up out of that... That, that deadness that they're under, which is, again, they're living after themselves. They're, they're, they're focusing on the wrong thing, in other words. Now, in Matthew 18, 1, Jesus said, 
at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him into the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. In other words, if you think that you're going to be able to enter into God's kingdom with all the baggage, right, and all the philosophies and views of this world, and, 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 and you know, the way they look at things and so on, you know, you're, you're sorely mistaken. You have no idea that you're going to be shut at the door and say, hey, no, 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 man, you need to get cleaned up, man. <laughs> you see, because if you remember in Exodus 20, the people had to wash themselves for three days before they came to the mountain. And when they came to that mountain, that place of ascension, right, the Bible says that, that, that the people heard noises and thunderings and lightnings when the voice of God started being declared. But Moses didn't hear that. Moses heard the voice of the Lord. So there was a distinction there. You had some that were unsanctified and unholy in their lives. They couldn't pick it up. But the ones that were walking after the Spirit, they could hear clearly and see it clearly. And so, again, you have to humble yourself, right, as a little child in order to get into this kingdom, right? And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receives me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a milestone were hanged about his neck and that he would drown in the depths of the sea. So it's important that you turn and repent from all iniquity, right? The Bible says in Hebrews 1, 9, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness. Glory to God. So when you, like I said, when the oil of gladness is present on your life, man, it, it, it's contagious. It gets on people. The ones that you get around and you're, and, you're, and you're loving on them, if you will, and talking to them and fellowshipping, man, that, that life of the Spirit, right? The Bible talks about koinonia, right? which, which is a word that means, um, koinonia means mutual fellowship. In other words, we're fellowshipping Jesus, right? We're, we're, we're gathering around Jesus Christ. It's him that's the focus. Now, this word iniquity in Hebrews 1.9 is the word anomia, which is where we, we get the word for anonymous, right? And it means a condition of without law. So when you're walking out of the boundaries because you don't want to be in the line of whatever, wherever you're at, you know, speeding, for example, or, you know, whatever that thing is, you know, you're going to the bars at night or you're doing things, you know, that are out of order. You're hanging out with people that aren't even born again, right? you got a problem, right? And then it says, uh, the condition of without law, so it says, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. In other words, you hate the condition of those that are without law, right? Because they don't, they're, they're, when they get under the law of sin and death, right? They're, they're, they're walking around in condemnation. But when they get into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, they're freed from the law of sin and death. So then, then it says, because you ignore it and because of violating it, you're in contemption. You're in contempt. You're in violation of law. You're, you're wicked. So, like I said, you don't want to come under the law of the kingdom of God. You don't want to come under the ways of God. And so, therefore, now, as he says here, you're focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. So, you're focused on yourself because you think you can do better. That's a problem. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 6, he says, 
And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Right? He says, for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Man, we're seeing that now. Right? It's like watching TV, reading the Word of God, man. You can see all this stuff happening. And these are the beginning of sorrows. Look at that. The beginning of sorrows. Sorrows there in the Greek, Matthew 24, 8. I'm going to show you this one. The word sorrows here is the word of a pang or throw, especially of childbirth. So, in other words, when the pressure gets put on humanity and mankind, that's when they finally realize what I've been doing up to now ain't working. That's when they finally realize I need to repent. I need to turn away from what I've been doing and turn unto the Lord and forget about everything I thought was right and, and focus on what the Word of God says about whatever that situation is. And incidentally, there's two words for repent. One is metanoia, which means godly sorrow. And the other one is metamolomia, which means I'm sorry because I got caught. So, so again, uh, these are the beginning of childbirth. So we know the pain and the pressure that a woman goes through when she bears a child, right? But the joy that comes afterward, amen? When the child is born healthy and so on, and the joy that it brings everybody for the new child that's in the land, glory to God. And then he says, they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. You know, one of the primary, the primary reason for the reason our nation is so blessed is because they started it on God, right? They prayed, they sought God, and they, and they looked for direction from God for all these decisions they were making and how to structure the government, how to bring forth a, a set of rules, if you will, guidelines, you know, the Constitution, and all these things that we need to adhere to. But as time has went on, Mankind has gotten further away from God thinking we know we can do this better. And so now look at the result of all that. Look at the cities that are being ruled by all this uh, liberal mentalities and liberal laws, right? Look at the chaos, man, that, that is being ensued on their lives. And all this because they're, they're living from that sin nature in their lives. They haven't been born again. They don't see God. And even if you are born again, and if if you're born again and you're not seeking God, well, you're not going to get with God. You see what I'm saying? You've got to draw nigh to him as he comes to you. Amen? So anyway, and then he says, uh, and many shall be offended. That's the word scandalizo, which means to entrap and tripped up. They stumble or entice to sin to, or apostasy or displeasure and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Hatred, man, full of hatred out there. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Why do you think false prophets arise in that kind of situation? Because what does anybody that's pseudo or false want? They want their own glory. In other words, they see it as an opportunity to capitalize and get some change in my pocket. And so 
uh, and because of iniquity, again, the condition of without law shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. They don't want to live under the law of the spirit of life. They, 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 they want to stay where they're at in, in their own condition, live in their own way under this law of sin and death. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Now again, in the Babylonian system, the primary focus of Matthew 28 is go into all the world. Right. But in the Babylonian system, their understanding and mentality is all we got to do is get them born again. It takes a lot more than that to raise a child. Amen. Which is why in the kingdom of God is where are the fathers, amen, as Paul told the Corinthians. You see, where are the ones that can birth me in the Lord and raise me in the Lord? We're the ones that are willing to take the time to do that. Because you got to spend time with people, just as Jesus did with these disciples for three and a half years, correcting them, working with them, training them. Amen? And he never focused on their gifts. He always focused on their character. Because he knew the work that they were going to be stepping into when he resurrected and the Holy Ghost came down. They were going to have to be men of character in order to be able to manage these 3,000, 5,000 souls, etc. And all the offerings and all the blessings that were bringing in. And then you see what happened with Ananias and Sapphira's, right? They got struck down, man, because they lied to the Holy Ghost, man. That's how strong the anointing of God and the government of God, that's how established the government of God was in that time. Strong, man. So scandalized against her and trapped, that is to trip up. Now, this, so in Matthew 4.13, it says that he moved from his hometown, Nazareth, to the lakeside village Capernaum, nestled at the base of Zebulun and, and the Naphtali Hills. This move completed Isaiah's sermon. And it says, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, road to the sea over Jordan of Galilee, crossroad for the nations. People sitting out their lives in the dark saw a huge light. Sitting in that dark, dark country of death, they watched the sun come up. This Isaiah prophesied the sermon came to life in Galilee of the moment Jesus started preaching. He picked up where John the Baptist left off, and this is what he said change your life for the kingdom of God is here. Amen. Change your life, which, which means repent for God's kingdom is here. The moment Jesus started talking, that's the first thing he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, he needs them to understand. I need you to forget about all the philosophies and all the views and all the understandings and principles that, think you, that th you think you know about what is right or what is wrong, what is of God, what is not of God, what is of the church, what is not of the church, whatever. Empty all that stuff out and turn your lives and now follow me and I'm going to teach you the right way. Amen. Now again, I've read this many times, but in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, it says, For unto us a child is born. This is the message translation. The gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His name will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. His ruling authority will grow, and there will be no limits to that wholeness that he brings, the peace. He'll bring from the historic David throne over that promised kingdom. He'll put that kingdom on a firm footing and keep it going with fair dealing and right living. 
beginning now and lasting always, the zeal of God will be angel armies will do all this. So again, it's, 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 it's very important that we understand this principle of repentance. And when God's word comes into our lives and we see an area according to the word of God that's out of order, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. And this is, like I said, you know, there's a lot of people, like I said, they think they got it together. But in the end, you know, we're going to see, you know, the only thing that's going to be, as it says, heaven and earth is pass away, but my word is never going to pass away. Amen. Now, we're going to talk a little bit here about, we're going to now talk about faith and confession now. And um, so let's look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians 4.13. says being defamed we entreat we are made as the filth of the world and on the outscouring of all things unto this day he told him all right not these things to shame you but as my beloved sons I warn you right for though you have 10,000 instructors yet have you not many fathers for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel so again not about just getting them born again but as Paul did with these Corinthians he lived with these people man Everywhere he went, he spent time with them. It wasn't just, you know, uh, you know, a week, two weeks, man. It was it was time that he that he took with these guys. And um, but again, you know, God again getting us all to the same place where we're all speaking the same thing and we're all of one mind, united in Jesus Christ, Amen. And uh, you know, there's many examples, you know, that in the Bible shows where Paul, you know, he told him in 1 Corinthians 3, 1, and our brethren, when I came to you, I couldn't speak unto you as spiritual, but I had to speak unto you as carnal, because you're babes in Christ, he told him. Let me read that. He said, and brethren, and our brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. In other words, I'm talking just like I'm talking to babies again, right? Because they still kept maintaining the division in their lives, right? And that's the problem right there that we're in right now in this society, in this nation that we're living in the world, right? It's supposed to be the United States, but we're far from being united. And because of that, look at the chaos that's, that's, that's a result of all that. Now, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We have the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. So again, whatever we're saying is a result of what we're believing. And whatever we believe is a result of what we're thinking. Whatever we're thinking is a result of what our knowledge is, and there's only two sources. So Paul said here, again, the principle that, that Jesus said, are the abundance of heart that mouth speaks. He says, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. And we also believe, and therefore we speak. Amen? So, in, in Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6, it says, now when you look at this passage from starting with verse 1, in verse 4 he says, Marriage is honorable in all things, in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And then he says, let your conversation, which is thropos here, the fashion or the way, the manner, let your manner be without covetousness. 
So he's just talking about marriage and says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. In other words, the wife that God has given you, the husband that God has given you, be content with that. Don't be sitting there trying to look on the other side of the fence for that cow that's sitting over there in that green grass so pretty and shapely. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So then he says, with such things as you have, or he has said, and this is the principle of he has said, so I may boldly say. So he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he's teaching us something there about our relationship to our wives and being committed to one another's brothers and sisters. See, because we are the bride of Christ, right? So what we say to our to our wives, I'm going to be with you forever. I'm going to love you forever. As he said here, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's the same thing we say to Jesus in our commitment to Jesus. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And by the same token, he says the same thing to us, right? So that we may boldly say, verse 6, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So God says, so in other words, when I'm praying the scripture, like let's say Psalm 91, 1, 1, he that dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You have said that I might boldly say that I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And that's how you use that, amen? In, in declaring, again, your faith in the word of God and then speaking the same as what the word is. You see, that's what confession is. It's homology. speak the same as the word. Now, in Numbers 14, 24, talking about <clears throat> Joshua here and Caleb. Hmm? Amen. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and has followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now that's a powerful statement right there, because Caleb took God in his word through his servant Moses, amen? And, 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 and Moses passed, and then it went to Joshua, right? And Joshua uh, had Caleb, amen? And the point is here is that because Caleb took God in his word, no matter what the circumstances, so you had... 12 spies that went into the land. 10 of them came back and said, we can't do this, man. It's impossible. The giants, you know, they got too much armor. They got, they got steel. They got shotguns, whatever. But the two that came back, Joshua and Caleb, right? Is that who came back? Yeah. They came back and reported we were well able. And, and, and the thing is, is that, that that report from those 10 individuals put so much fear in the, in the children of Israel. The Bible says they cried all night. So, so again, because they went ahead and believed God, he says, I'm going to bring him into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. That's, that's powerful, man. So, <clears throat> in Numbers 13, 30, He says, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Amen. Amen. And that's the kind of faith toward God that we need to have, that no matter what circumstances we're encountering in our lives, we can take the land by faith in God's word. Amen. And not have to be uh, intimidated about our circumstances and full of fear, man. And, and, and as the scripture says, well, we have not received the spirit of fear, right? 
but of power, amen, love, and of a sound mind, amen, power to overcome, love, to be able to, to not have to worry about moving in fear, for example, and then love, power, and what is that? Oh, sound mind. Your mind is sound, you're clear about your intent and your direction and your purpose in God, and no matter what's going on around you, it doesn't impact your life. In 1 John 5, it says, verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. The word overcome here is the word Nike, Nikeo. That's where the word Nike comes from, which means victorious. And whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Glory to God. You want to be an overcomer? Well, you need to stay in faith toward God. Amen. You need to keep trusting and believe in God's word for what it says, amen, and take God at his word. For whatsoever is born of God, <clears throat> I'm sorry, for who is he that overcomes the cosmos of the world, but he that believes that Jesus is the way unto God, amen? That Jesus is a fully matured son of God, I believe that. Is that thunder? Wind? So we have believed, therefore we speak, amen? The spirit of faith deals with what a man believes and what he speaks. Man will always speak what he believes. You know, the other day, my son, we had a, someone come over to the house, one of my oldest son's friends, and ordered some pizza, you know. And Thomas, my son, he didn't want to come out and eat with us for whatever reason. I don't want to, he said, I don't want to eat around guests. Well, come on, man, what are you talking about? So I, I just, I just let it go, and then, Yesterday, when we went to Brother Daniel's house, it was the same kind of attitude. I said, well, this, this is demonic, man, because it's, like I said, it's the enemy that wants to keep us hiding, hidden, you see? And, I, and as we were driving in, I told Thomas, I said, Thomas, I don't know what seed or what, what you're operating under, but you need to filter your life according to the Word of God. And God says you're righteous, you know, and as far as I'm concerned, your daddy, I think you're you're a precious young man, handsome young man, I told him. And uh, and so that's why today I'll send him some scriptures out of Romans 8 there, but again out of the message translation, because, you know, what he was doing was living according to his own view versus according to the word of God. So, again, I know, <clears throat> I know the difference of when my sons are under a dark cloud of oppression and depression versus when they're full of joy. Amen. And they're living after that. Now Jesus said the following in John 12, 48 to 50. He that rejects me and receives not my words hath one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So again, talking about my son there, you have two options. You can receive what I'm saying to you or you can reject it. And that same word is going to judge you. Amen. It's going to speak into your life and tell you Guilty or innocent. And that's what judge means, right? Judge doesn't mean guilty. It means innocent or guilty. The judgment. Now, in verse 49, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And that right there speaks to the principle of he spent time in prayer before the Father, amen? And he went up to the mountain, if you will. He got before the Lord in prayer. And God would commune with him in the spirit, man. And, he, and, he, and by the Holy Spirit, he would get what God was bringing, what God gave him. 
I'm going to show you something here if I can find it. First John 4. First John 4, 13, listen to this. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. It didn't say that he's given us his spirit. It says that he gave us of, which means from or out of his spirit. In other words, what we receive from God is divine nature, amen. A portion of God that... Are, that, like I said, our spirit man is the tabernacle. That's the dwelling place of God, amen, the holy place of God. And that's that high place that we need to be at to be able to communicate with God just as Jesus did. Because he had the word of the Lord in his heart and in his mouth of what he should say and what he should speak. And then he says in verse 50, And I know that his commandment is Zoe everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak, glory to God. So did Jesus speak God's words? Yes, absolutely. And how was Jesus able to speak what he received from the Father? Well, he had a relationship with his Father, and he prayed. And he, and he meditated on this word, amen. He, he got into God, amen. He got into what God's word says. And so, as the brother was telling me yesterday, you know, what do I need to do to develop that kind of a place with God where that word is quickened to me? I said, well, you need to have a relationship with God. You need to be close to the Father, amen. And then he says, was the water that came out of Jesus sweet or bitter? As James says, that it shouldn't be both the sweet and the bitter water that come out of the same fountain. You can't do that. It's going to be one or the other. So the words that Jesus spake unto us, were they sweet or bitter? Well, it depends. Because if you were a Pharisee, it was going to be bitter to you. You didn't want to swallow that pill. That's right. But if you were humble, you're receiving, you're seeing the word, the voice, you see? Versus the one that's in pride, you're getting resisted. And you don't even know it. Right. So who, what was his heart full of? Well, he was full of the word and the spirit. He said in John 6, 63, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words, which is the word ramos that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. He didn't waste his words. When he spoke, man, he was spoke, speaking directly out of the spirit. And that word had life on it, the life of God. Amen. So you can only hear the word of God in the spirit. You cannot hear the word of God as a carnal man. We've been, we talked about that before. That the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of God. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. So you, you're fooling yourself if you think, you're okay, you know, you come to church and do your part, whatever that is, and yet you have no relationship with God. The voice of the Lord is going right over your lives, man. You're not even hearing. You know, why waste your time? See, Jesus said in Revelation, I would, I, I would that you were hot or cold, right? There's no point. If, you, if, you, if you're not in an attitude of repentance in your life, amen, well, when you hear that word, it quickens your spirit. And right then, as you're sitting in your chair, Father, nobody has to hear you, right? You just sit there. Father, I'm sorry, Father. That, that's ministered directly to me, Lord. And I, and I ask you to forgive me. Right then, man. 
right? Because the kingdom of God is now, right? As Jesus said, repent and get your lives straight. So that's what I'm saying here is that, is that this word of God, you're going to be able to hear it, but not as a carnal man. So, so did Jesus speak of himself? You never heard Jesus talk about himself. Look at my rings. Look at my watch. Look at my clothes. Look at my suit. Look at my car. Look at my house. You didn't hear him talking about himself. The only time, the first time we started hearing this was in Matthew 26, where he says, that, Nevertheless, Father, this cup cannot pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. And then he told his disciples, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. He was trying to teach them something here. He was talking about himself. If I don't watch and pray my soul, I'm going to negate the purpose of God and forfeit what God wants me to do, which is go to the cross. If he didn't deal with his soul before he went to the cross, he never would have went to the cross. And that's what you see in Matthew 26. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that <clears throat> Gethsemane means the place of pressure. It was the place where the grapes or the, oil or the, or the olives were dropped and they squeeze them until the juice flows out. That pure anointing, in other words. In other words, Jesus understood this principle, and the Bible teaches us in Matthew 26 that it took him three hours to get his soul under control. He learned obedience by the things he suffered. His soul knew what he was about to encounter, but he didn't want to encounter. And he told the Lord, the Father, if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it, nevertheless, thy will be done. I had to talk to my son the other night. He, uh, we were, you know, we were outside and working on the bicycles, and I told my other son to come out here with us and hang out with the men for, you know, get out here, get out of that, you know, where, whatever you're doing over there. Well, then he made up an excuse that I need to leave because I got to go do some homework. I already knew that that's just a, a self-preservation, right? I'm trying to cover myself because I don't want to be out here. It's hot, sweaty. And then later on in the evening, I don't know, it was about 8 o'clock, I said, Thomas, did you finish that homework? He goes, huh? I said, you said you had homework, and that's why you wanted to leave from being out there in the garage with us. Did you get the homework done? He goes, well, no, Papa. And I said, so you used that as an excuse because you wanted to get out of being there. He goes, yeah. <laughs> you see? So I said, okay, go do some homework. Amen? And, and, and he did. But the point is, is that, you see, only because of the word of God can we understand these things about how our soul operates. So like I said, Jesus, now that's going to teach him something. That you need, to, your, your word needs to be your bond, amen? Integrity, in other words. And so, but again, Jesus took him three hours to bring his soul under control. Now, did Paul speak of himself? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, 5. I think we just went through that one. And this is what Paul said. He said, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Amen. Right there you see that it, he, Paul, again, he understood the principle of the cross, and that you must deny yourself daily. And as he says in Galatians 2.20, um, Galatians 2.20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. 
Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life of the flesh I live, and the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So see, you can't, if you're walking around again as you're alive and your spirit man is, is not alive, in other words, you're not walking after your spirit, then, then you're going to be in that place where God can't move through you. He can't utilize you. He can't use you. You know, just like when you when we wash our dishes and stuff, you pick up a plate and it's got some stains all over it. You don't want to use that plate. It ain't ready. Same principle. If God comes to your life and he sees it, that you're still out of order in some of these areas that he needs you to, to work in and so on, and, and he's got some things that he wants you to do, but you're not ready, then he's going to move on. Right? And that's what I'm trying to say here is that your soul, again, is the one that keeps you out of the purpose of God. And that's why we got to keep the soul in check all the time. And that's why we are as who we are in our sons and daughters' lives to help them understand when they're trying to manipulate and when they're trying to do things that are out of the will of God. So Paul, again, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause also, we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the logos of the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So they received this word as it was from God. Amen. And God honored them for that. And so, and again, and because Paul says, as it is in truth, the word of God that effectually worketh also in you that believe. Effectually worketh is a Greek word, energio, which is where we get energy. And it means to be operative, to be at work, to put forth power. So that word of God is operative and is putting forth power toward the Lord Jesus, toward our faith in God. Amen? Um, so it effectually works in those who believe. Amen? And so what are the things? So, what are the two things that you can do with authority? Represent or substitute? There's only two things you can do with authority. If you're representing, that means you're going to be obedient. If you're substituting, that means you're giving your own version about what you heard. And you're doing your own thing. And so I, I teach my boys, man, that, for example, the other day, uh, there's a sleeping bag that I've been carrying around in the truck, and it's a big sleeping bag, and, and I had it in the back, and then I pulled it out to the to the cab in the back, and then I told my son, put it in the back, and make sure you push it in there, right? Like, put it up over the, um, the, uh, the little cart that I have in there. Well, he didn't do that. So it rained. He had it up on the edge of the, of the, of the gate, and a little water gets, gets in there, and it gets, gets you know, it got on the sleep, sleep bag. And what the problem with that is, is that when it when it gets wet and damp, it spoils. In other words, bacteria starts stinking. So I had to tell him, son, I, I tell you these things so that I had a reason why I told you the way I told you. Right? Well, he didn't follow through. So what does that mean? He misrepresented. He substituted. So there's all kinds of examples of where that happens all the time. And, and, and again, you know, authority, the Bible teaches us authority is for our preservation, is for our protection, amen? Not to not to harm us. So, again, my son represented it. Well, Jesus, he represented. 
right? He didn't substitute God's word in any place in his life. And because of that, God honored him. And the Bible says that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, amen? That was the voice of the father. And that's what we want as sons of God, amen? That, that God, our father, heavenly father, is pleased with us. So should we represent or substitute? Well, we need to be making sure that we're representing, right? In all places in our lives. And, and the thing about the word represent, if you think about it, because they asked Jesus, where did you come from? Who gave you authority? Right? How can you forgive? They didn't have a problem with the healing, but they sure didn't like him forgiving because he was making himself equal as God. Right? So this word represent, if you look at it from this perspective, re-present. In other words, he presented again what he heard from the Father. So he took it and represented it to him again and showed him again whatever work he was doing with their lives. So God's word is Zoe, and therefore when I speak, the Father has said it unto me. And he, again, not as a carnal man, because as a carnal man, you're not thinking about spending time with God. You're thinking about getting up, going to the gym, going to get breakfast, you know, sitting around doing nothing, drinking coffee or whatever, you know. And you have to, you, it, it takes a lot of effort, amen, to, to tell this carnal man no. And, it, and, you, and that's why the hupomene, which means the consistency, is so important that you're consistent in your relationship day after day after day after day, amen, in your lives. Because... Again, you know, it's it's hard. Like, you know, I know there's been, for example, if I skip two or three days without praying, not seeking God, man, gosh, I feel the 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 death of my my flesh. I feel the heaviness of it, the sluggishness of it, and I don't like that, man. So again, the carnal man, he can't hear God's word, amen. So a man's confession, I read this before, is the result of his belief. A man's belief is the result of his thinking. And a man's thinking is a result of his knowledge, and a man's knowledge is a result of his source. And so there's only two sources. It's either God or the devil. Both are wisdom because there's two kinds of wisdom. Yeah. One that ascends from below and descends from above. So, again, and it's not that, that the information not, might, might not be practical for your lives, but still God has to quicken that. And so pretty much when, the way, when you get around the body of Christ and what they're saying and what they're talking about is pretty much what their lives are. Because out of the abundance of the heart, their mouths are speaking. So by the word of God, you can locate and check where the body of Christ is because of what they're saying. Right? And if they're not, and if their word, if their mouths are not full of faith in the word of God, you can easily clearly see that these guys don't have a relationship with the Father. And, and that's the whole point of, you know, the whole point of reviving the body of Christ wasn't so that they can go back to their mundane lives, right? And not serving God and not getting involved in the Word of God, not listening to teachings and so on, not, not, not establishing your home in the Word of God and so on, is so that we would get closer to the Lord. Amen? Now, James 3, 14 through 18, it says, But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. For wisdom, this wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. That's where America is today, the many parts of our nation, our world, amen, is this constant bickering and striving about this, about that, you know. I mean, it's unfortunate that, that the carnal man is, is, is constantly, constantly being displayed out there in all these media streams. 
And, uh, and, and it's easy to pick that stuff off, but, but where is that one, the voice of one that's serving God that doesn't want any attention out of it, out there? See, that's not what they're trying to glorify because that stuff doesn't sell, doesn't, doesn't draw them in, the carnal man. They're feeding the carnal man. That's all they're doing, right? But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. There's no evil intent in that. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So you can't even bring peace if you don't have the government of God in your life because governance is before peace. And so he says the fruit of righteousness, the result of people that are righteous are, are sown in peace. In other words, the word of God, the word of righteousness has been sown into their lives and because of that they can distribute peace. They can give peace as Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. So as sons of God, as the scripture says in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the we are, so the children of God, the fully mature. And that's what they do. They bring that government of God in, around everywhere they go. As a matter of fact, there's many places where Jesus instructing them on when they go out into the house and if they don't receive you take your peace with you in other words because you carry the government of god it's going to go with you and that's what we need to understand here about who we are as sons of god amen and so the scripture says in uh second corinthians 5 19 to wit that god was in christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Amen. So by the same token is that the spirit of God speaking in your spirit is what's going to come out of your mouth. The same token is that the spirit of the world speaking in your soul is what's going to come out of your mouth. And now there's times there when, when I've sat around and watched too much television. And it may not, it's just, you know, I try to watch anything that's Christian programming, right? And I'm not talking about... Um, like these places that sell DNA kits so that you can see if you have Jewish blood. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about, you know, there's 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 different places where they, they, they have Christian movies and whatnot. But if I sit there and, uh, and allow my soul to get sucked into that, even that, when I'm, when I'm for example, going to bed, I'll have Im certain images in my head. That stuff is strong, man. The Bible says about, about Lot, that the Bible says that in seeing and hearing it vexed his righteous soul. He wasn't a part of all that, a part of all the filth that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, but he was seeing it. And the Bible says it vexed him. Man. So, so you say what the word of God says. The more you say it, the more you are increased unto it. And the more you are increased unto it, the more you adapt to it. And this is the word that is precious. If the word doesn't say it, then you don't have to say it. Confession or homology is to speak the same as the word. The principle is I have believed and therefore have I spoken. And I'm not talking about being a parrot, right? And just repeating the things that you know are the word of God. I'm talking about words that are coming out of your spirit, man. As Jesus said, they are pneuma and they are zoe, life. So a change of heart is a change of confession. So Matthew 12, 34 and 35 Old generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of heart the mouth speaks. And there again right there, how can you bring forth anything good when your heart is full of deception? 
and selfishness and hypocrisy. You're living after that sin nature, in other words. That's all they could help but do because they would not repent unto the Lord and get trained and taught the right way. He says in verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So again, in, in monitoring the body of Christ and where they're at, you can easily clearly hear, but you can easily understand where they're at by what they're saying. In other words, you're hearing. And if, if their heart is full of faith, man, you, you know it. You know what I'm saying? And but the, but their heart is evil, then that's what's going to come out. Because where have they been? What water have they been drinking? In other words, they've been drinking nothing but bitterness. So all that's going to come out of their lives is bitterness. So Jesus said it. <clears throat> Uh, Matthew 15, 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth comes forth from the heart, and they defile the man. Those things that defile you are the things that make you common. In other words, profane or unholy. You see, you're an unholy vessel, in other words. And God needs us to be holy, amen, for the scripture says without holiness, no man is going to see the Lord. You're not going to see, you're not going to comprehend, you're not going to understand because you're unsanctified. There's sin in your life, man. You're living carnal. In Romans 10, 8 and 10, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, the rhema of faith, that if thou shalt confess homologia with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. He says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so again, I've shared this before, is that that salvation is not just a one-time thing. It's a continual process in our lives, because he's constantly cleaning us up, you see? And delivering us from ourselves and our wrong thinking. So homologia is to say the same thing in another, to agree, to assent, to covenant, or to acknowledge. You speak the same as the word, to speak the same after the spirit of the... You speak the same as the word of God. To speak the same after the spirit of the world is, is your life is full of evil, in other words, death. You're bitter, in other words. You're, you're living after yourself. The heart must be filled before the mouth is spilled. The heart must be filled before your mouth utters it out, spills it. And again, the question is, what source are you getting your information from? So to tame the tongue or change the heart. See, the tongue was made for one thing, and that is to speak. The question is, is that what are you putting in your heart? Because the result of what's coming out of your mouth is what your tongue is saying, what your mouth is saying. In James 3.8, he says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. You can't tame the tongue, but you can change the source of it as well. See? And when you change the source and put the sweet water in, if you will, that's what's going to be coming out. It's not about changing what you're saying just for the change, changes and saying something is right. It's about coming forth out of your heart, living from your spirit, in other words. So 
a bridle, which is that bit that they put in the horse's mouth, it, it won't, you know, it's the, the bridle is what turns them. The bit is what brings the governance, that horse. So you can't, a small helm won't control the tongue. Rudders won't force it or direct it, but what comes out of the faucet is what's in the well. Whatever's coming out of your heart, you see, and your heart is made up of your spirit and your soul. If you're living after your spirit, man, that sweet, precious water, amen, the wisdom of God that's peaceable, pure, and easy to be received and understood, versus that bitter water that's harsh and cruel and domineering and full of hatred and, and, and full of expressing his own desires and wills, Rather than the will of God, amen. Um, Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to be here with my brothers, Father. I thank you for these precious words of life, Father God. Your word is life unto those who find them and help to all their flesh, Father. I pray, Father God, that those that are hearing your words would receive and hear, Lord God, what you're saying to the church, Father God. And again, I thank you, Lord, for your precious Holy Spirit, Father, and the direction that he brings to us to bring to your people, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to sing until I am lost in your love. Till I am found in your presence. Worshiping before your throne. Till I want to see.